Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the Greg Marshall Show. The Shockers with two American Conference games this week. Thursday night here against South Florida, which of course we'll talk about, and Sunday afternoon at Cincinnati. Coach, last week on the show when we were talking about the message you could kind of set with the team when there was conversation about playing time and so forth, that the opportunity is always there. If you're working hard, doing the right things, you're going to create opportunities for yourself. And certainly that was really borne out with Noah Fernandes getting a chance to start at Central Florida, played well, and uh, has really given this team a lift in some of the things that he can do over the last couple of games. Yeah, I've talked to Noah all along. Um, as he was not playing, that we really believe you're going to be a good player. Uh, the nine weeks that you were out with the foot injury put you in a big hole because by the time you came back, our rotations were set, we were winning games, and it was just it was just hard. And, you know, he got a couple of opportunities and didn't really play great. He, at, at UConn, he struggled against their pressure. Uh, of course, a lot of our young guards struggled against the pressure in that game. But um, there were other games, and he got a shot, but... In this particular case, you know, with the, with the issues of who's starting or who's playing more and all that, here's a guy that remained positive. He, he practiced really well in the weeks and days leading up to that decision to start him. And I liked what he said in the meeting on Monday, a week ago today um, in our practice. And he was just very upbeat and encouraging the other guys from a, from a position of, uh, you know, deep on the bench. So... He got the opportunity to start um, and helped us win, and he got an opportunity to start again and helped us win. And he's not, you know, he's put, not putting up gaudy numbers, but he's making plays that are effort plays. He's making make plays that are toughness plays. And, uh, again, I like his positive attitude and his, his uh, just will to win. So just kind of in, in a way he's kind of a neutral uh he's not a positive or negative uh, like a proton or a neutron uh, electron he's the neutron he's neutral and just um go out and do your thing bud and he's done that and i've really enjoyed watching him uh, have some success and be one of my favorite plays of the game against um uh the Tulane was how he how ratty he was for the ball and he kind of tipped it away from a guy once the guy regained his dribble and he tipped it away again and before you know it he's diving on the floor from his backside he makes a, a pass up the court which resulted in a, an easy one for us but uh, he, he's, he's always doing those type things and he just has a way of, of helping his team win and we had talked a little bit about you were concerned that some of your offense was too much what you called windshield wiper passing <clears throat> back and forth across the front of the perimeter. And has he kind of uh, lifted your half-court offense in terms of, of making some things happen and, and making it run a little well, bit? Well, you, know, you, you just got another guy with a very good handle. Like point guards better have a very good handle or they shouldn't be point guards. So, you know, we've got three guys that can all play the point uh, in the game at the beginning there uh, that can all get into the defense create the defense to contract and then 
kick it out, or if they if it doesn't contract, then they can either score the ball or or dump it down to the big guy. So uh, he's been able to do that well, uh, along with Grant and and JB, and hopefully uh, he can continue to get better at it. I mentioned that uh, Dexter Dennis is on the American Conference honor roll today. That's one of the things that typically comes out on Monday. Uh, if you did not happen to notice, Wichita State, 46 in the NCAA net. They are 38 in uh, 37 in Ken Pomeroy, 38 in the ESPN BPI. So that's a pretty significant move back in the right direction after falling back some after the Houston game. In the various brackets, uh, Jerry Palm with CBS has the Shockers in as a 12 seed, but in the first four. Cincinnati also in the first four as an 11 seed, and Houston a 7. But Joe Lenardi has Houston a 7, the Shockers a 10, Cincinnati an 11. And then there's a site called TeamRankings.com pretty good about laying out the whole field and what who should be what seeds and they have both Houston and Cincinnati as a sixth shockers as a seven so you know we talked about this last week people that were getting all discouraged that you know you were still right there and very quickly you've moved back into those kinds of discussions yeah we got six games left and they're they're all going to be tough games Um, you know we got to go on the road three times Memphis Cincinnati and uh, what's the third one uh, SMU. Uh, SMU. And then we've got the home games with Temple, Tulsa, and South Florida. So uh, there's that, we're, we're done with the easy ones. There's, there's very few easy ones in this league, and we've just got to go play well, and, and hopefully we win the majority of them, and that's good enough to get us in. And certainly opportunities there because those are good teams with, with good power rankings and so forth that, that can certainly help your evaluation. Yeah, the and, and we, we need the other teams that are on the bubble to lose, and we need there to be very few upsets in the, in the tournaments coming up. And, you know, but we have to take care of our own business. We have to play well and try to win the majority of these remaining games. Certainly the, uh, the performance at Central Florida got you back to a, a very good road performance. But uh, other than at Houston, again, that's something that you have actually done a pretty good job of most of the year. Second half at Temple, one of the few exceptions. But you've been a pretty good road team again this year. Yeah, I don't know what our record is on the road. But, we, you know, we've, we've done okay, better than most, you know, 19-6 and six and a pretty good road record. Um, we've lost two at home, I think. So to have um, – above 500 record on the road in college basketball is a very good thing. The other thing right now with this schedule is uh, I'm sure it's it's in your mind that the, the first step, forget about the tournament for just a little bit, is to get to the top four in the conference, be one of the top four seats because that gets you out of playing on Thursday and obviously you want to go to Fort Worth with a chance to win the tournament and that is greatly enhanced if you don't have to play that extra game the first day. Yeah, but, but matchups, I think, to me, are more important than who you, how many games you play and, and matchups, you know, that's something you look at as well. All right. We'll continue with Shocker Head Coach Greg Marshall from AJ Sports Grill at the app. Welcome back to the Greg Marshall Show. The Shockers heading into a two-game week with a record of 19-6 and six overall, 7-5 and five in the American Athletic Conference. Something that hasn't been discussed much yet, but I think is certainly worth mentioning, Tyson Etienne's six three-point field goals yesterday give him 53 for the season. 
That is the fifth most already by a freshman in a single season in Shocker history. He's one shy of Dexter Dennis's total for last year, four short of Randy Burns, six short of Chad Elston. The, the record is 72 by Landry Shamit, so he's got a ways to go to get to that. But also has the eighth best at the moment, three-point percentage in a season for a freshman, seventh most steals, and Grant Sherfield is now in the top ten in both assists by a freshman and assists per game by a freshman. And again, what I think is really significant about that, you're 25 games in. That's that's pretty high on those charts because the guys ahead of them all played 30 or more games in a, in a full season. you got a ways to go yet. Yes, yeah, so hopefully they've got a chance to you know, get themselves firmly in the freshman record book. And certainly some of it's opportunity. Obviously, they have played. Well, Fred Van Vliet, for instance, didn't play as much as a freshman as these guys are, at least early in the season. But uh, certainly they have also come in and showed some unusual maturity in a lot of ways for freshmen. Yeah, we can't have Fred having all the records, so we had to hold him, <laughs> we had to hold him back early on in his career. Um, that was by design. Um, no, just I think these guys are um, obviously very talented, and uh, you know Tyson really shoots the ball well. Grant's becoming more aggressive, pushing it in transition, and um, and now you got Noah. We, we we said all along we had three freshman guards that could really play, and and then I think that's being borne out now. You know uh, something else I certainly wanted to mention, and you talked a little bit about it last week, but. Uh, Jamie has continued to really step forward as a leader. And while he's a senior, it's only his second year in the program. But he has really taken it upon himself to, to fill that role and, and to say meaningful things to his teammates as well as leading by example. He really cares. You know, he wants to go to the NCAA tournament. He wants to have a successful two-year career. He, wants to, he wanted to be a part of it for three years. He wanted to redshirt this year. So, but we obviously needed him, and, and he's had a really good year. Uh, he wants to go out on top, and, and um, you know, there were certainly some things that needed to be said, and he, was the, he spearheaded that, that discussion last Monday. And one of the things that, that's very noticeable in these last couple of games that maybe had diminished a little bit is just the, the activity and the reaction on the bench. And in his case, I noted one particular point yesterday where Poor Bear was in the game, and there was a timeout, and he was immediately up and talking to Poor Bear about his positioning within the zone and some of those kinds of things and, and really trying to help in any way. He yeah, he, he's, he's a great teammate, and... He cares about others, and uh, he, didn't, he didn't play great himself uh, yesterday, but uh, he's had a heck of a year for us, and um, we certainly need him to continue to play the way he's been playing. And you mentioned also, in our, I think in our pregame discussion yesterday, that while he didn't have the big numbers at Central Florida, when you went back and looked at the video, he really stood out in his protecting the rim and being a defensive stopper. I think he had three blocks in the Central Florida game, and he just does a really good job of helping those guards on the ball screens and uh, being a big deterrent uh, at the rim. Um, and he's, he's every game, he's, he, he himself stops five rush down the court. You know, they really gaff the defense. And he's been tremendous in um, protecting the rim and also defensive rebounding. He's been really big. And we'll stand in and take charges, and that's something Mo has done a good job of. Mo's committed a few too many fouls that were unnecessary, but both are willing to stand in and, and take the charge. Yeah, yeah. Mo's a, Mo's a charge taker, where uh, Jamie's more of a shot blocker, and uh, then Asbjorn's just kind of big. You know, he just 
He just kind of gets in there and puts his body on him and trying to get Asburn to use two hands. You know, he catches the ball and pursues the ball. Um, that's a big thing for him. Is a lot of times he just goes with one hand and try to bat the ball like he's playing volleyball or something like that. So, um, but he he's uh, he's he. I thought he was really good in both games as well in his minutes. We we've talked a lot about your making shots in these last couple of games. The offense is flowing better. Where are you on on where this team is defensively and and the improvement that's been made and still needs to be made? Yeah, you know we're. Our, the, the metrics say that we're really good. I just, I don't know. I, there's obviously times where I think we could defend better and be more tough at the point of attack, keeping the ball in front. I hate when we give up easy baskets in transition. We do that a little bit too much. That was our bugaboo against Cincinnati. But, um, again, the numbers bear out that we're a really good defensive team for the most part and and we just and I still think there's room for improvement so we've got to continue to lock down every time and and get matched up get a helmet on a helmet and communicate great and just play as hard as you possibly can you know it's actually kind of impressive that your field goal percentage defense your field goal percentage against is as good as it is when as you say there's certainly been some games where you gave up a few more easy ones than you would have liked and still the the net result is a, a shooting percentage by your opponents it's under 40 percent yeah that's usually pretty good you know if you can get to 38 something that's really really good it's going to be one of the best in the country and it's something that we've been good at for the for my whole career we emphasize forcing tough contested jump shots and limit them to one shot. And we do that as, as well as anyone in our league right now. And I think probably Houston might be the best, but we're right there. I mean, we're right there every year, and this year's no exception. You mentioned defense at the point of attack. I think that was something that maybe for the average person was a little bit overlooked when you had guys like Ron and Fred and Takale who were exceptional in doing that. And uh, that's that's kind of a tough standard. But does this team have a chance to maybe be closer to that than you've been for a while? Well, again, we've got all freshmen and sophomores on the perimeter. So uh, I think we can get there. Uh, we're not there yet. When you're, you're, you're comparing us to Fred, Ron, and Takale, that was an elite backcourt I mean that was a probably a a backcourt for the ages from from the Missouri Valley standpoint and Wichita State standpoint but um, we're not we're not anywhere close to that but we're pretty good and and we have a chance to get better as these kids get tougher and stronger and just a little bit meaner when the game's on the line all right coach we'll continue with Shocker head coach Greg Marshall our discussion of Shocker basketball on Monday night for major Welcome back to the Greg Marshall Show from AJ Sports Grill at the Alley. We will be back here next Monday from 6 to 7 following the Shockers' return from Cincinnati where they will play Sunday afternoon. I do want to mention, and most of you listening and in attendance here, I think are solid and dyed-in-the-wool enough Shocker fans that you probably know this already, but just in case, the game a week from Thursday against Temple has been moved back an hour from what it showed on the original schedule and shows on your tickets. It will be a 7 o'clock tip-off against Temple on Thursday, February the 27th. This Thursday, though, USF, South Florida, 
in Coke Arena. Uh, this has been an interesting series, Coach, because you've been in the league three years now, and the two previous years you just played them once each time. At your place two years ago, last year down there, this will be the first time you've played them twice in a season, so not quite the overall familiarity that there has been with some of the other league opponents. Well, I mean, we're familiar with them. I mean, they... they they whacked us pretty good at their place last year, and uh, we beat them soundly the year before. So this year we get, went down there and played um, a pretty good basketball game because they're a tough team, especially at home. Uh, they really, really defend. Uh, Coach Gregory has a tough group. Uh, they would be even better had they not lost an all-conference caliber player early on in, in Alexis Yetna. Uh, they're they're sophomore power forward, but still they, they've uh, they're a formidable opponent. It's going to be um, it's going to be a pink out, I guess, right? We, yeah, I, I wanted to ask you about uh, the the pink thing, wearing pink, and the the emphasis on pink has been a, a common thing in women's sports for a number of years, women's basketball, volleyball in particular. But your guys are going to wear pink on Thursday. Uh, the men's basketball getting involved and in tying into the uh, breast cancer awareness campaign. Yeah, you know, we've all, the, the breast cancer people always want us to do stuff. And, and the cancer, American Cancer Society and Coaches for Cancer. So we were talking about it this year. And that it's, it's very timely because um, for me personally, my mom is battling breast cancer as we speak. Um, our, our vice president at the university, uh, Elizabeth King, has been going through some breast cancer herself. Uh, so when they asked me, it was a it was a perfect time, and to, reached out to uh, Under Armour. They were very very gracious, and they're going to provide the uniforms for us. And then we're going to raffle off or donate uh, or or sell the game worn uniforms that have been worn one time. Uh, and all the money, all the proceeds will then go to American Cancer Society. And that may seem like a, yeah, yeah. And may seem like an unusual thing. Uh, have, you, have you seen the uniforms on? I've heard they're actually pretty good-looking uniforms. No, I've seen the shoes. We've got, we're going to be pink head to toe. So, uh, you know, the, I've seen the shoes, and I'm sure the uniforms will be fine. And, um you know, I'll probably wear a pink shirt or a pink tie, so it'll, it'll be, uh, be very bright in there that day. You know, talking about uh, USF, that was a game where you got off to a really slow start shooting the ball in the first half down there, but defended and rebounded well enough that you were in the lead, and then Dex started hitting some shots, and then Tyson and, and uh, your shooting actually shot it better from three in that game than you did your overall free field goal percentage. Yeah, well, we, whatever we did was better than what we did the year before <laughs> when we went down there and set basketball back a couple of decades with, uh, with our performance offensively. But this, um, th- this group really defends. South Florida, they get after you. They have a hard time scoring also. So it was just a grind-out affair in the first half, but – we made enough plays in transition and got enough stops and uh, got a big win. You know, uh, their leading scorer, David Collins, is is a very good wing player. But in the game down there, I was actually surprised at how little he even looked to shoot it beyond 10 or 12 feet. He likes to drive it, and he does get to the free throw line a lot. Yeah, he, he, he can make three-pointers, but that's not his forte. He, he, he likes to score it. He likes to drive it. He likes to get fouled. He, he's constantly looking for contact so he can get to that free throw line. But he's a good mid-range shooter, a, a, a 
pretty good three-point shooter, but a prolific scorer. And then LaQuincy Rideau is a guy that was a transfer last year that uh, at times just took the ball away from people, and, and they're still a team that will look to, and your guys did a good job of recognizing this, but a team that will look to slap rebounds away after you've secured one or poke the ball loose and come up from behind you and poke the ball away more than maybe any team we've seen in the last couple of years. They're a very ratty team, just gritty. Um, Rideau in particular loves to steal the basketball. I mean, he'll he'll leave his man who might be in the corner and try to steal a pass to a guy that's 15 feet away. So they're constantly trying to turn you over. And I, I thought our young guards in particular did a great job of sniffing that out multiple times and not turning just a simple play into an atomic bomb going the other way uh, at when we were down in Tampa. So we'll have to do that again and, and hopefully uh, make, make some shots, as you mentioned, and then continue to defend and rebound like we did at their place. Yeah, we talked about in the, uh, the Central Florida game, they had actually gone to almost a five-guard lineup in the late stages of the game here. And then Colin Smith, their 6'11 player, stayed out of foul trouble in the game down there. So it was him and four perimeter players. And then Tulane, a, a smaller team that played a little bit that way. Is USF, they've got Dura, seven-footer, a little more of a, of a traditional lineup than you faced for a couple of games. Yeah, and they're also, they've got Dura and they've got the kid from Croatia, I think. Uh, I don't know where he's from, but you know who I'm talking about. They, they, he's playing very well. So those two guys, they usually have a traditional five in, but then their four, Brown, is more like a three-man. He's a perimeter shooter. And uh, a team that certainly has... Still plenty to play for. Everybody in that second half of the league fighting for position in the conference tournament. It doesn't seem like anybody. You mentioned how hard Tulane played and how they fought and stayed with it right to the end. And and certainly we're seeing that from everybody you face in the conference. Yeah. You know, it's just the dog days of college basketball. It's, you know, we're, we're in mid-February now and uh, March is right around the corner. And, and, and guys are just jockeying for position and hopefully getting an opportunity to um, – win some games, whether, whatever tournament they're trying to make at this point, and then put themselves in a position where everybody has a chance in that conference tournament to get that bid, regardless of what your regular season looked like. All right, we will come back with Shocker head coach Greg Marshall from AJ Sports Grill at the Alley. Welcome back to the Greg Marshall Show from AJ's Sports Grill at the Alley. The Shockers at home Thursday against South Florida. That will be the breast cancer awareness game. The Shockers will be wearing pink, as Coach said, from head to toe in Thursday night's game. It tips off at 6 o'clock. Coach, we, uh, I mentioned to you last week, because of the announcement had been made, that the TBT was coming back to Wichita and the, the aftershocks. Uh, kind of an interesting concept that's evolved in that tournament, the Elam ending, where they go into the fourth quarter and they preset uh, at some point a certain dead ball, a number of points now that will be added to the leading team's total, and that's what you play to. And the NBA All-Star game did that this weekend. I just wondered, having seen that a little bit last year, you have any thoughts on that, that concept of play? <laughs> no, not really. And it's, you know, the, I didn't watch one second of the All-Star game. And, and 
the, the one thing, and that would be nice, I guess, is it stops the parade to the free throw line. Because Yeah, maybe that's good. Uh, I, I, I kind of like that. Honestly, I, I didn't really, I don't know. I don't know much about the Elam ending. <laughs> All right, so uh, Shockers this week game here at home against South Florida then at Cincinnati. You have played now Central Florida twice. You saw Tulane for the first time, but now starting to play people for a second time. Is it easier from some standpoint when you're preparing for a team that you've already faced, now that you've seen them face-to-face to maybe have some better ideas of how you want to attack them, how you want to defend them, little wrinkles you want to make, but at the same time more difficult because they can now do the same thing with you? Oh, absolutely. As far as knowing their personnel and, and kind of what they're about, that's much easier from a, helping the players understand who they're going to be going against. Um, but now it becomes a matter of just like halftime. You've got to make adjustments. Uh, this is what worked against them. They're going to probably try to take this away. You know, then they're going to, you're going to have to adjust again. So, and that's what, that's what it becomes the second time around is, is, it, is the staffs that can continue to do what they did well the first time and make adjustments for things that aren't quite there like they might have been in the first time. And I might mention, I, I think we maybe discussed this, but you have your assistant coaches assigned to scout opponents, and in your conference, the ones that have, if they had Central Florida the first time, they've, they've got them again because that familiarity helps them prepare a scouting report as right, well. Right, right. And um, it makes sense. If you're going to scout them the first time, you wouldn't switch over to another coach the second time. So you, the coaches have familiarity even more so than the players, which is necessary because then you've got to relay that to the players. And is that the thing about conference play that, that's also doubly difficult, and maybe especially on the road, the fact that uh, now people are concentrating more on you because they know they're going to play you twice. They look at more video on you than maybe they would have on a non-conference opponent earlier. Absolutely. There's less... Uh, surprises. Uh, you're not as not as able to get maybe some pet plays that you've you've you've, you've gotten in the non-conference, um, and then sometimes you play not only twice but you play them a third time in the conference tournament. So at that point, it's just you know it's kind of a rock fight. Cincinnati this weekend, uh, obviously that's one you would like to get back. That was a, a heartbreaker, no other way to describe it. But Jaron Cumberland certainly is one of the most difficult players to defend in the entire conference. Yeah, and he seems to play. We bring out the best in Jaron Cumberland. So we need, we need to hopefully get a, the, the law of averages working in our favor uh, when we go to Cincinnati. But that will be a very difficult game. I mean, they are obviously have great fan support just like we do, and uh, they'll be – uh, battling to try to get in that NCAA tournament just like us. So the game will mean just as much. You said uh, something just a moment ago about helping your uh, your players as far as individuals. And, and people may not know, when you break down video and so forth, you have individual plays on each opponent and, and what they do and what are their strengths and weaknesses. But how much uh, does it help your players to have actually faced them? Because you can see video, but you can't necessarily simulate in practice so the scout team or whatever what that player is like. Well, what it really helps is when we play them the first time and, and they do things to us that we don't necessarily like, being able to bring that clip up <laughs> to the team the next time. And so they can see that, you know, hey, not only does he drive right, but here, he, here he's driving right right past you. So you're going to have to be in a better stance and understand, even if we told you that, they can still strike you. Or this guy comes off screens looking to shoot. So 
uh, now we have video evidence of our guys actually in the video. Six games to go, three at home, three on the road. There is, there is that term that's out there every year, that the dog days of, of college basketball. Are you getting to the point in the season where maybe you're, you're a little bit getting past the dog days, that you can see the end in sight now, and, and hopefully your, your guys start to get kind of a, a fresh outlook on it? Well, I, I, I think the players, I think one of them mentioned it, might have been Jaime, uh, talking about you know, how many games we had left, and we only have three more home games. And so they, they see it, and they feel it. Um, and and my, my, my thing now is just, just to try to trick them a little bit is just talk about let's get better. You know, there's still time to get better. It doesn't – I'm not talking about, you know, improve your vertical two inches or um, become a, a better ball handler or a better shooter, but just find a way somehow of all these video sessions, all these practices, all these games, find some way just to improve, whether it be accepting coaching, you know, playing more to your strengths, uh, going to the offensive glass every time, uh, sprinting in transition, which I thought we've done very well of late. Uh, those, those are the type of things that we're looking to do now. And if each individual can improve just 1%, then everyone improves. The, the group will improve more than that because of everyone improving 1%, that just helps us as a team. And is maybe one of the, the things that uh, you've benefited most from in your experience, and I'm not suggesting this just happened this year or last year, but just over time, a feel for getting what's necessary out of practices and getting things worked on, but by the time you get to this point in the year, you get to the point where they're, they're fatigued at the end of the season. Yeah, you, you've, got to get, you've got to get your work done, and, and you don't want to go – you don't want to have two, two-and-a-half-hour marathon practices either. So today was a day off, and, and we've got two days now to prepare for Thursday. And uh, we'll have to, you know, utilize that time with video and weight training and the practices and the walkthroughs and all of that uh, and be very smart. But our, we, our guys, we, we're so deep, we don't play that many minutes. We don't have anybody averaging 30-something minutes a game. So... It, from that perspective, it's a little easier to practice. And, and when I say practice, not, maybe we'll go an hour, 20, hour, 30 max. But when we're doing that, we want to get quality work. And you had more than your share of little uh, mishaps and things at the beginning of the season. Noah missed nine weeks of practice with the foot and so forth. Jamie was out four games with the hand. Poor Bear did miss the uh, the game at Central Florida with a shoulder thing, but he was back. And, and are you in, in pretty good health typically for where you are at this point? In the I, I think relative to most, we're in very good shape as far as uh, physical injuries, and we will just hopefully keep it there. Coach, thank you. We'll look forward to Thursday's game. We'll see Thanks, you back Mike. here, Monday. Yes, All right. Soccer head coach Greg Marshall, Wichita State. Again, Central Flo- South Florida, USF. On Thursday night, 6 o'clock tip-off, broadcast at 5 o'clock, and the Shockers will be wearing pink to help uh, join the campaign for awareness about breast cancer. Sunday's game at Cincinnati tips off at 1 o'clock Eastern. That means noon Central. So early start on Sunday. Uh, Our broadcast will begin at 11 o'clock, and again, a noon tip-off for the Shockers and Cincinnati. And then we'll be back here on Monday night 
And next Thursday, the Shockers with a home game against Temple. So they get another shot at the Owls here coming up in the near future. And again, remember that game has been moved from what was a 6 o'clock start to a 7 o'clock start. Coming up next, it will be the Women's Basketball Coaches Show with Keitha Adams. That is from 7 to 8. And then we will be recording the first ever Eric Wedge Coaches Show, talking Shocker Baseball, from 8 to 9. But that show this week and next week will actually air at 6 o'clock on Tuesday night, 6 to 7 Tuesday night, right here on these same stations. And then... The uh, Shocker Softball Show with Christy Breadbenner, 7 to 7.30 on Tuesday. But we'll get to a point eventually where all four shows may be on Monday night, so we'll test your strength and stamina and uh, all of that before the year is over. But thanks for being with us. Again, Keitha Adams coming up next. And then, again, tomorrow night here on KFH, you'll hear Eric Wedge, 6 to 7, and Christy Breadbenner, 7 to 7.30. Again, thanks for being with us. That's the Greg Marshall Show for this week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.